1: I'm your host, Kiri Masters, from Bobsled Marketing, and today I'm really thrilled to be joined by a colleague and a friend of mine, Aaron Conant from BWG Connect. Aaron is the co-founder and managing director of BWG Connect, a networking and knowledge-sharing group of thousands of brands who collectively grow their digital knowledge base and collaborate on partner selection. Speaking one-on-one with over 1,200 brands a year and hosting over 250 in-person and virtual events, Aaron has a real-time pulse on the newest trends, strategies, and partners shaping growth in the digital space. Prior to this, Aaron was head of e-commerce sales at Perigo, launching their Amazon business as well as their D2C and B2B websites, and began his career as a synthetic organic chemist at Pfizer. Welcome back, Aaron. Great to have you back on the podcast.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Always a pleasure, my friend.
1: Great. We had a discussion recently that I thought was perfect to bring online and share with with listeners today around these supply chain headwinds, which I've discussed before on this podcast, and macro other like macroeconomic headwinds. And you had really interesting takes on this. So I wanted to get you back on the show. You speak with dozens of brands every week through your work with BWG Connect and connecting people and facilitating knowledge sharing between brands. So you've got a really good perspective of what's going on within the four walls of a digital and e-com department. So let's talk about some of these headwinds that you're hearing about from your customers at BWG. Let's start with macroeconomic headwinds that you're hearing about just in terms of the the US economy in particular and retail spending.
0: Yeah sure so you know one of those things that's popped up is you know over and over again with brands right now is there's almost you know a softening of you know sales over you know the past I don't know 3 to 4 months and I know there's a big slug that went through Amazon's you know ramping up for Q4 and so they put out some pretty big orders but you know if we if we kind of go back to you know, the pandemic as a whole, and then when stimulus checks started to hit, you had a lot of people staying at home and and getting stimulus checks, and you're at home and money's coming in. And there was a lot of money going back out the door, a lot of, you know, you know digital purchases going through the roof. And so a lot of really, you know, great month over month growth in, during the pandemic. But what seemed to happen, I guess, in the springtime was, you know, people had pretty much bought Seemed like everything they wanted to buy, right? They'd gotten a TV, you know, they've got a new gaming system, they've betted on a lot of things, clothes, whatever it might. Be. And then there's almost this this turn, this little bit of softening where they'd had all that stuff and it was getting to, you know, closer to nicer weather in different parts of the country. And people were really turning to experiential things, more people going on vacations. I don't know how much people traveled during the summer, you know, in late spring, early summer. The airports were packed in the middle of the week, and it wasn't Packed with business travelers, like it normally was. It was packed with, you know, everyday, you know, travelers as a whole. And so it was kind of this really, you know, this movement from hey, I'm gonna the consumer. I'm gonna not. I bought everything I really need to. I can fit in my house. Now, how do I go have fun? How do I do things that are more experiential? And so I think it's we're leading into this really crazy time when you stack that on top of all the supply chain issues that are happening. And so right now you know, stimulus checks are running out, people are going back to work. So not only are they not just sitting around their house, they have less time to actually spend money. But in some cases, people are actually now, you know, have less money coming in than they had before. You know, and at the same time, we've got this, you know, weird, you know, thing that everybody thought the supply chain was going to be worked out by now. And it's clear that it's not going to be worked out. I mean, we've got at least a year before it seems that anybody thinks the the supply chain and mainly, you know, overseas containers coming in. So, you know, it's interesting as we head into Q4 to track what's going to take place. You know, there is this less money to be spent, but there's also less inventory to be bought. But when there's less money to be spent, people are looking for deals. And yet when I'm talking to brands right now, if you can sell out of all your inventory, why would you put anything on sale? right? And I think, (laughs) you know, price inflation that's coming in, you're going to have fewer discounts that are out there. I just think, you know, some great advice is, you know, if you head in the holiday season in October, if you see something (laughs) that you think you might want to get as a gift, the price isn't going to be lower. You better buy it. You better buy it.
1: hundred percent. Yeah. This is this- (laughs) So covered
0: a variety of things there, Carrie.
1: Yeah, no, this is good. Yeah. And for anyone who missed it, I did a piece of Forbes- Couple of weeks ago, about ship again round two, which is not a phrase that I coined, but last year we obviously saw a lot of supply chain disruption in Q4, and a year later, a lot of those things haven't been figured out, and we have new issues to deal with as well. One of those issues that seems to be compounding for some brands is storage limits at Amazon, and it seems quite obvious that Amazon doesn't want their fulfillment centers to be used as long-term storage warehouses. They want to be really only stocking products that are fast moving, that can have a, a fast turn. And a lot of sellers are being caught out with their products that are slower moving or maybe more seasonal. And that's actually hurting their inventory storage limits. And they're finding themselves being sort of cut off at the knees because they can't send adequate inventory in even for their fast selling items because it's at a at a, a storage type level so standard oversized apparel and footwear so you could have your fast selling items not be eligible to send into amazon because your overall turn turn time isn't fast enough this is causing lots of issues for brands just like it similar issues have in the past is this something that you're hearing about broadly from your customers and what do you think the
0: yeah i think what can
1: you do i about think you nailed
0: it? it for a lot of brands is if you're not especially as you hit q4 if you're not giftable yep you know amazon's carving that space out right so who doesn't have an issue right lol dolls, you know has romatel not having a, a ton of those issues but if you're not giftable you know, the back end Amazon algorithm, you know, everybody thinks about Amazon's algorithm from the pricing standpoint and everything, but it's also, you know, the back end, they're really smart people. They're figuring out how they can make the most amount of money on any particular day. And so they're trimming out that space. And this happened last year. And, yep. you know, we did a lot of sessions early on because it was a big pain point that people brought up, you yep. know, over and over again around how do we solve for this? And the other, you know, one other thing that has people, you know, kind of leery on inventory status with Amazon is just the shortage of, you know, the warehouse workers for Amazon that are unloading the trucks. And so these massive lines of trucks trying to get just inventory in, and then you, you have inventory, maybe that's been ordered, but it can't be sold because it's sitting in a line of semi trucks or it's sitting, you know, in a trailer somewhere in a parking lot that can't get unloaded. And so, Mm you know, the way there's a couple ways to solve for it. One is set up your own direct-to-consumer, you know, shipping, you know, update your ERP system so you can individually pick, pack, ship, and get those items out. A lot of people touching their ERP systems over the past year. I think the the better solve in, in this environment is finding what I would call as a digital age 3PL. So your traditional 3PL is doing your LTL and your full truckload. To do individual pick, pack, ship, kind of the studies show you need like three to five X the warehouse space to be able to do that. And a lot of these traditional 3PLs just don't have it. And they don't have the workers that want to do it either, right? As you think about, you know, a lot of companies, their warehouse, those guys want to go, you know, load the truck up to Walmart. And you can't blame them for the amount of work that goes to individual pick, pack, ship an individual item and ship it to the middle of, you know, America. So these digital age 3PLs are able to take in your inventory and then, you know, fully automated. And they can actually, we've had a lot of companies when they go to them, it's it's actually a cost savings to use them. Hmm. But what it does is you can then, whether you're FBA or you're 1P with Amazon, you know, they can do Merchant Fulfilled Prime or, you know, they're basically your backup for inventory. So I think all of these guys say, if you have inventory in Amazon, it's the best possible scenario, have them ship it, pick it, you know, pack it, ship it. But if for any reason, you know, Amazon can't get inventory in, they're reducing the shelf space, you can't get inventory in, have a backup so that you you don't ever go out of inventory. And I think Amazon has done a good job of providing, you know, the mechanism for routing shipments to these 3PLs or to yourself.
1: Yep. And so let's, I'd like to double click in on Walmart uh, fulfillment services for a second. Is this something that you're seeing a lot of brands actually Adopting because that took a good 18 months for them to really start ramping this up and inviting more merchants to that program.
0: There is a major hesitancy right now with anything on Walmart on the digital side, and that's across the board. That's their paid media and how their bid algorithm works. It is the ability to upload the newest content. It is, there's just a lot of hesitancy. I mean, it's really. It's a unique time because I think everybody is rooting for Walmart.com, right? The digital side of Walmart to figure it out, right? I don't think there's anybody out there right now that, you know, larger brands, you know, mid-size and larger that are hoping to be more over-indexed on Amazon, right? It's the the thing that pops out quite a bit is I'm already, enough of my digital sales are already on Amazon. I'm not necessarily wanting to grow it. I mean, I want to grow it but I don't want to aggressively grow it. I need alternatives because I'm so yeah. imbalanced right
1: now. And what do you think that out of interest, and we're doing research on this at Bobsled, mm-hmm. I don't have the answer, but I'm curious to hear what your sort of thesis is around. What is that ideal mix for brands? Or or even a slightly different question. At what point of, point of concentration do you see brands get uncomfortable with their reliance on Amazon?
0: It's around 60%. And I think it's just of all the snowball digital channels effect. or
1: of all retail channels.
0: Okay. Oh, so I was thinking to just carving out just digital. When sixty okay. percent of a brand's online sales, sixty percent or more are on Amazon. Yeah. They're starting to hold their breath. And and why is it it's because Amazon got so big so fast for a lot of people. And why is there such a huge attention to it? Is you know, pre-pandemic. Yeah. Amazon was a lower profit margin, you know, business, but Hey, it was, you know, five to 7% of the overall business. And I'm talking, you know, in-store and online, it's, you know, maybe three to 7% is a good range to have it on. The pandemic hits and all of a sudden, you know, Amazon now the total, you know, in-store and online, Amazon's at 40%, 30 to 40% of their business. Yep. And, you know, when it's a lower profit margin at 3%, you know, it's not as big of a deal as when it's 40% of your business and it's a lower profit margin. Now we start, it's very margin dilutive, at, you know, at a large scale. Yeah. And so people are trying to solve for that and they don't want it to get to be, you know, too big at any point in time. And a lot of people are rooting for Walmart. Just, you know, Walmart needs to get it figured out. You know, they, they just do across the board need to be a partner with brands. I think that's something that's lost with Amazon is they don't feel like there's a partner with them with Amazon. It's a just a straight business relationship. I mean, Jeff Bezos comes out and says, your margin is my opportunity. Like, they're not <laughs> hiding anything. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's there's definitely a paradox here where it's it's growing very quickly as a percentage of their sales, but can be less profitable. <laughs> depending on a lot of factors. So we've talked about overall macroeconomic trends that might soften demand for uh, consumer products. We have talked about supply chain issues. Here's one thing that I'm seeing diverging opinions on, and it might be due to timing of, of data coming in, is price inflation. So I'm hearing a lot about well, due to supply chain issues, prices should be going up because of the ships not being able to unload in California and the the chip shortage and and all of this global supply chain stuff that should really inflate prices. But both the the statistics data and I also saw some more ad hoc data come from Profitero showing that prices haven't gone up online of, across a lot of categories. So I wonder if what's your perspective on that? I've got my own. Thought, but I want to hear what you think so far.
0: I think people need to. So, a couple of things I think at play. It's going to be really interesting to see how it all plays out. But as if people have less time and less money to spend, or they've bought the new toaster, the new oven, the new microwave, the new TV, you know, over the past year, we're at a spot where we kind of said, "Hey, they're looking to be more experiential." Well, you have then this this paradox of we've got all this backup of inventory and all this stuff that we've made and we're waiting for it to show up in full containers, but now we've made so much of it based on the demand that we saw that now it's it's showing up and it's it's starting to hit where people don't have as much money to spend and they've already bought the stuff they did want. And so now you have all this stuff hitting and there's this, wait, are we going to be in a position of, price deflation and some, you know, some home goods and stuff that's, you know, because there's so much of it there. Yeah, It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out, you know, over the holiday season, because the flip side is, you know, in 10 years from now, it's going to be awesome to look back and, and do an economic review of this whole thing. But like, you know, we, we, we talked about before, or is it the situation where this stuff hits and there's, it's so limited, right? That People aren't dropping the prices. And maybe maybe it's that we see just these prices stay steady and that's enough for, you know, to drive sales and they don't go down. But, I mean, I'm kind of seeing the same thing you are, which is they're not yeah. going through the roof on these items. Yeah,
1: yeah, it could be a timing issue. I mean, the Profitero analysis that I saw, that's mostly Amazon vendors, not sellers. And, and Amazon vendors can't actually control the price their products sell at on Amazon. So Amazon's making those pricing decisions could catch up with us. I think the the main factor like you've mentioned is potential softening of consumer demand. All right, one more question for you, Aaron, and I'll let you get back to your call schedule. New marketplaces and retail media platforms. This is something that keeps coming up for me. There's more places to sell, there's more places to sell your ad dollars. In terms of the things that we've talked about so far, how big a concern is that for the brands that you're speaking with relative to these other issues?
0: I think the biggest concern is where to spend the money. So, you know, kind of, as I noted, like people don't want to be more over indexed on Amazon. So I have a lot of brands saying, I don't, I'm trimming back my media budget with Amazon. I'm trimming it back. And that's, that could be straight up dollars or it's Hey, we always increased it X Y Z, you know, every year, and now we're not, you know, increasing it at all this year. Or it's a percentage of sales, and sales are really up, and you know, instead of you know five to ten percent, it's you know three to seven percent. But the focus they originally went to was to Walmart to see if they could drive sales. What I hear across the board is, you know, just you know, for people, if, if you're not in a typical grocery run, even Walmart.com is is very tough. But right. if you're in that traditional grocery run, you're going to make it in the cart, and we see some good gains there. But if you're outside of that, there's not a lot of growth. They haven't quite yep. figured that piece out yet. And the same thing then well, with paid media, people wanted to throw money at it, and they tried it. It's just that the you know the bid auction that's on Walmart paid media is is different than Amazon, right? If you bid, yep. if I bid a dollar on Amazon, and you bid two dollars, you win on that term for a dollar and one cent. And on Walmart, if I bid a dollar and you bid two dollars, you win for two dollars. And brands were like, "Wait a minute, no, (laughs) that's not how it works. I, I should just barely outbid." And so, as Walmart gets that figured out, which I hope they will over the next year, until then, you have the Instacart's popping up. Okay, well, there's Instacart, but then again, we're getting back to okay, well, this is mainly just around grocery. You know, Instacart has big plans, you know, expand out there, outside, but you know, you're still limited in grocery. So then. You're getting back to then some more underdeveloped paid media channels, and with a lot of companies just looking to invest, then what do you do with those dollars? Then I'm going to go to you know performance marketing, my own direct consumer site. I'm going to dump more traffic into getting people onto my direct consumer site, but then with the iOS 14.5 update, where you know Facebook, you know, is where a lot of people are spending money, it's a lot harder to get you know, people direct consumer site and target top of funnel has gotten incredibly difficult. Well, then we're in this spot, like, yes, retail media. Yes, people want to go outside of Amazon, but Amazon's still one of the best places to spend your money. And so I think one of the craziest things that's happened is like last year, a lot of digital marketers got a pass on their paid media budget when COVID Mm -hmm. hit. It's just like, stores are closed, spend money, we'll figure it out later. Well, this year there's a lot, a lot more CMOs and CFOs focusing on you know return on ad spend for media dollars, and a lot of times that means go where you're going to get an immediate ROAS.
1: Yeah, that's, yeah, and also that that ROAS on Facebook ads is not so hot right now as well. So if you <laughs> trying to get your DTC ramped up, you've, that's a whole other kettle of fish. Yeah,
0: we can do one on you know declared data, zero party data, first party data, third party data, but that just next month when the iOS 15 update comes out and emails get lumped in as well. And it's masking of emails. It's only going to get worse. You have to find, what do I see on the direct to consumer side is this huge focus on how do I maximize? If I get somebody on my site, how do I maximize that potential that's there? Buy now, pay later solutions, you know, SMS, you know, so mobile messaging, you know, it's direct mail is coming back if you plug that in, but, you know, print on demand, direct mail, you know, one in two day shipping. It is, you know, how do I spoil that customer? I, I found a way to get them onto my site. How do I maximize lifetime value yeah. for myself and for that customer while they're there? So yeah.
1: well, it's a whole new world. Well, thank yeah. you. Thanks for coming back to talk about all these Issues and challenges, and I always value your opinion. You speak with so many really smart people who are your stakeholders at BWG Connect. Or anyone who missed our last conversation on this show, just tell us a little bit about BWG Connect and where to find you.
0: So BWG Connect.com, we're a large group of digital executives, I'll say. So thousands of brands who we network and knowledge share together to stay on top of the newest trends, strategies, digital pain points, whatever it is that's shaping you know, the digital landscape on an ongoing basis. So I talk with 30 plus brands a week. If anybody wants to have a chat, just reach out to me on LinkedIn. Love having conversations. Um, just kind of serve as a digital advisor. And then from those conversations I'm having, we're able to put together you know, when the same topics come up over and over again, educational, informational you know, webinars we do a lot of in-person events or we did in the past we're starting to ramp those up again right now but it's it's a networking group there's no cost it's just a great group of you know everybody from startup to fortune 100s from fashion to, to cpg and we network and knowledge show together it's fun and yeah Kerry, you and the team of bobside are great friends and partners and supporters of the network and, and really really appreciate that you know value our conversations you're fantastic right
1: back at you all right thanks aaron thank we'll you. Talk to you soon